Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney, are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. Brace yourselves, winter is coming. What the writers of games, uh, Game of Thrones didn't want to tell you is that Bran was actually in a wheelchair because he didn't trim his balls with Manscaped. Poor guy thought it was okay to trim his balls with a traditional razor or hair trimmer. Not sure what you want as a gift for the holidays? Well, Manscaped is the ultimate gift, and they're here to change the men's grooming game. And you can get 20% off, plus free shipping if you use the code UNFILTERED20 at manscaped.com. It's time to gear up and get yourself the gift of shaving this holiday season. I am talking about the Manscaped Perfect Package 4.0. The Performance Package 4.0 is the best in the business. This hygiene bundle includes the Lawnmower 4.0, Weed Whacker, Boxers, Travel Kit, and Liquid Formulations. The new Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer is waterproof with advanced skin safe technology to reduce nicks and cuts, and even has a light to help with your close shave down there. No need to have a red wedding situation next time you're going for a trim. The Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer can help you whack those nasty weeds in your delicate holes. This product also has proprietary skin-safe technology to help prevent nicks, snags, and tugs. The Performance Package also includes Crop Preserver. It's deodorant for your balls to protect against chafing. Also, their Crop Reviver Ball Toner will keep your boys fresh at all times. Maybe you're on the other side of the wall and you don't know when your next shower is. No worries. The Crop Mop Ball Wipes are for you. Have smelly feet? Manscaped can help with their foot duster, foot deodorant made to fight odors of the dirtiest feet. Want to smell good everywhere? The Refined Cologne by Manscaped is a clean and fresh scented designed for the refined gentleman. On top of everything, they've even thrown in the shed travel bag to carry your goods and the Manscaped anti-chafing boxer briefs to hold the entire package together. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code UNFILTERED20 at manscaped.com. During the winter, you may be spending more time inside with your balls. Might as well make them beautiful. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code UNFILTERED20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code UNFILTERED20. It's time to join the Manscaped movement. These products are snow joke. And welcome to Habs Unfiltered, episode 217. I'm your host, Blaine Putney, and I'm joined in this episode with a special guest, Peter Barracchini of the Hockey Writers. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here, Blaine. Uh, I'm really happy that you you agreed to come on. Um, Treg and Matt both somehow 
ended up not being able to make it. So it's just us. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wish they were here just to exploit my uh, Leaf fandom and try to rub it in their face a bit. But you know what? It's all good. <laughs> well, it, it would have it would have been fitting had my other two hosts been here because it would have been three to one. Three to one. Yeah. We, we, we really should do a meetup with the Six and the Six podcast group and have a little duel every now and then. Well, uh, it, it would be fun. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, yes, Toronto's looking really good this year and they'll make the playoffs and the Canadians are fighting for first overall mm-hmm. pick. <laughs> which is Two significantly different. Right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but at least we had some playoff success. That you did. Yeah, that you did. I, I, I'll give credit where credit's due. You did have playoff success. People can call it lucky all they want, but it happened. It's in the history books. It's in the past. And now we just got to move forward. That's that for Leafs fans. We got to move forward for Habs fans. I, I'm pretty sure it's still reeling from what happened kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Everything since that cup final has been um, interesting to say the least. <laughs> Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. no doubt. (laughs) But for this episode, we're going to focus in more so on the World Juniors, Mm -hmm. uh, the Canadians prospects, and we'll talk a little bit about the NHL and the shutdown that's coming up uh, later on in the show. But let's just kick it off right now with the World Junior Championships that are going to be starting up. Uh, Pre-tournament games start uh, Thursday, I believe. Yes, 23rd. And Canada is going to face off against Russia on Thursday night. So that's, uh, that's exciting. And it's a pre pre-tournament game, but it should be fun. Hockey's hockey at this point, especially the juniors. Even if it's a pre-tournament game, I'm still excited because, hey, it, it, like, like, like the phrase is, it's the most wonderful time of the year, especially with this tournament. Even if it's pre-tournament hockey, I don't care. It, it's fun and exciting. Well, I mean... 30 plus years of Christmas tradition mm-hmm. is everyone meeting up and just sitting down and watching this tournament happen. Yeah. Yeah. Especially for me, it's been a staple since for me, the late nineties, early two thousands. That's when I first got into it and I've just been glued to it and hooked on ever since. So yeah, it's been a mainstay tradition for you, me, fans alike all across the country, all across the world. So yeah, it's absolutely phenomenal. So We'll, uh, we'll do a little bit of an overview of the championships. Um, the United States are the defending champions. Good for them. Um, <laughs> so they are, they're going to be heading up Group B with Russia, Sweden, Slovakia, and Switzerland. Mm-hmm. And Group A is going to be headed by the greatest country in the world, Canada, <laughs> uh, Finland, Germany, Czech Republic, and Australia. And for those who are Austria. unaware. Yes. And uh, for those of you who are unaware, yes, I'm Canadian. <laughs> no bias there, right? No, well, no, yep, totally biased. <laughs> I'm a homer, hardcore homer. So we'll start off with Group B. This is a the U.S., Russia, and Sweden are clearly going to be the playoff quarter quarterfinal matchups. They're going to make it there. Mm-hmm. Slovakia and Sweden, uh, Switzerland, however, that that becomes a difficult matchup. Uh, S- Switzerland's got a pretty decent team, usually, and Slovakia is a hockey nation, and they do extremely well in these tournaments in, 
in short bursts. So what do you think is going to happen here in Group B? Uh, like you mentioned, it's going to be spearheaded by, you know, U.S., Russia, Sweden. I mean, if you look at it, basically, this is kind of like the group of death in soccer or the equivalent to that because you got three major heavyweights. And, you know, U.S. trying to hold on and repeat last year, they got a steady roster up front and on the blue line. I think for me, my only question mark for them is in goaltending with Drew Camiso, um, Caden Americo, and uh, Dylan Silverstein. I mean, compare that to the goaltending of, let's say Russia, Sweden, Canada, even throwing the fins because they got some good goaltending depth as well. It doesn't quite appeal to them, but if they manage to get contributions from the front out in their defense, which is naysayed by, you know, Jake Sanderson, uh, Brock Faber, who are returning players as well. They got that going for them to help lead that blue line and help out their goaltenders in that spot. For Slovakia and Switzerland, I, I, I'm honestly, I think Slovakia is going to be a dark horse in this tournament. I think they're going to turn a lot of heads, mainly because of the fact that they have three outstanding draft-eligible prospects in um, Simon Nemec, Juraj Slavkovsky, and Philip Mezar. Um, both three were extremely phenomenal at the Ivan Holenko gretzky tournament, where Slovakia won silver, surprised a lot of teams. And also, they got a really good standout player who hasn't officially been named in a team uh, in Dalibor Dvorsky, who again, was just absolutely lights out and put his name on the map for the 2023 NHL draft. So they got some really great depth. They got a lot of great names. They also got Martin Kromiak, who's going to be returning as well and is a LA Kings prospect. So they got some leadership. They got some depth up front. I, I do expect big things from them. And I think that they shouldn't be taken lightly because they could probably do some damage this year. Yeah, so these th- the three main prospects, the ones that are eligible for this season, uh, for this season's draft, mm-hmm. They're in the top 40, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. A lot of people are even having them all in the top 20 as well. Where did you place them with the hockey writers? For the ho- in my latest uh, rankings, I have, surprisingly, I have Simon Nemich number two overall. Um, I just love his composure, his poise with the puck. He, he's everything that you want in a steady two-way defenseman. This is a guy who can, you know, break up plays, but then have the Jets to turn it on and be a major factor in transition, carry the puck in in like a one-on-two, one-on-three, one-on-four situation and just has absolute control in order to gain offensive zone time. So I love his uh, composure. Uri uh, Slavkovsky actually has seven, so I have two in the top ten. This guy is just kind of like a bull in a china shop. I mean, he's physical, he's big, he bullies his way to the middle of the ice. He's got a great shot and great offensive instincts. Um, it, some have him outside of the top 10. I, th- I think he's going to be a later top 10 pick in that five to 10 range. Again, this tournament could change things, but he's in that top 10 for me. And Philip Mezar is in my top 20. I have him 19th overall. Um, very, very quick, very crafty, very shifty. Um, doesn't have the size like Nemich or Slavkowski, but he does really, uh, does a really great job of protecting the puck, really great passing and I, he, he was one name that really, that I really took hold of during that Helenka Gretzky tournament, and he's just been on a tear ever since. Now, with Nemec being that he is, you have him placed so high, mm-hmm. and the Canadians are probably going to be drafting in and around there. What kind of a fit do you feel he would be for the Canadians? Um, given Montreal's depth um, on the back end. Um, you already have, I mean, I don't want to jump too much ahead with Caden Gooley, but you already have Gooley um, in the system. There's Matthias Norlander. You already have um, 
uh, Alexander Romanov in the system as well. So you have names already in the system, uh, even getting Kale Clegg on the left-hand side, despite him being a left-hand shot. Um, I, I do think highly of Simon Nemec as a good possibility if Montreal wants to try and fill out their defensive depth because they do have solid options at this point right now. Um, again, I, it's going to be tough given if they do get the first overall pick. I think you've got to look at Shane Wright regardless. I mean, guy, guy is a fantastic high, high IQ, high awareness, two-way uh, threat on both sides of the puck. Um, if they're in that two to five spot, I, I would like to see Simon Nemich go because I think he does have the greatest upside out of all the defenders in this draft class. Um, but, you know, there's still other great names. There's Logan Cooley. There's still Matt Savoy. Um, there's uh, Danilo Yurov. There's Joaquin Campbell. They want another uh, scoring winger. So the possibilities are basically ended, endless for them. And depending on where they fall, and obviously, you know, not that you should take into consider what the team needs, but get the best player available at this point right now. What, might as well fill out your draft up or your prospect system and just continue to go forward with that. Well, the good news for the Canadians is that no matter who is available, best player available would be someone who fits what they need because mm, the, the system is in need for skill. Everything. Yeah. yeah. Uh, back to the world juniors though, uh, with uh, Switzerland being the next name, because uh, they were, they're going to be butting heads with Slovakia for sure in that, that group. Mm-hmm. What about Bischel for Switzerland? What kind of impact do you feel he can have for them? Yeah, um, obviously Switzerland, I believe they only have two returning players in Brian Zanetti and Simon Knack um, or two dra- or two experienced uh, prospects for them because they were drafted. But Liam Bixel, I mean, this he he is he's a tank. He is a powerhouse type of defender. I mean, th- there's looking at him during the U18s. Um, that world championship, I, I was just amazed at like what he was able to do with his size, with his mobility at 6'5", 216 pounds. I mean, that's just monstrous. Um, really good shutdown two-way kind of defender. Really likes to get into the lanes, block the shots. I mean, again, the defensive game, he's not going to be known for that. It could peak at some point. He could learn to develop that as well. But just a sol- solid overall defensive game, that to me just stands out the most of them. Now, moving on to Russia, uh, because Canada is going to be playing them in the first pre-tournament game, they have some high-end skill coming up, and it's going to be, high, it's going to be highlighted by Mitchov, who is not mm-hmm. draft eligible until 2023. Yeah. So what can we expect from them? Uh, expect him to score a lot of goals and be a major offensive threat because the way that he scores goals is just unbelievable. I mean, he could be uh, along the red line, shoot the puck, in the, and it's going to go in the net. No matter where he is on the ice, he's always a major threat. Um, in tight, outside, uh, from the blue line, there, there, there's really no stopping him. And I mean, he led the goal of uh, the tournament in scoring with 12 goals and was just too shy of tying Cole Caulfield has prospect and Alex Ovechkin from for most goals in that tournament and you know if if he would have just got a just two extra bounces there's there isn't any doubt in my mind that he was going to succeed and overtake that and you know what chances are because he is 17 he's going to go to that tournament again and it wouldn't surprise me if he tries to pot another 14 
15, 16 goals because this guy is really dangerous. And there's a reason why he's a top prospect and he's going to be butting heads with uh, Connor Bedard for Team Canada for that top spot because it's eventually going to come down to both of them for the top spot. Yeah, that 2023 draft is starting to shake up is going to be uh, an impactful one for Mm -hmm. sure. Uh, Now, for this group, do you feel that the Russians have a legitimate chance of dethroning the Americans in this pre uh, in the preliminary round, at least? There's always a possibility. Um, They have some really great draft talent. I mean, uh, especially up front, they got Nikita Chibrikov, Vasily Ponomarev, Fedor Svechkov. Um, Matvey Mishkov, uh, Pavel Tietnev, Danilo Euro. So they got some names up front that can do some damage offensively. It's just to me that the depth is kind of lacking because they didn't take any North American base, base players. They left off Matvey Petrov, who's in the top three or five in scoring in the OHL. Uh, Benio Gushin, he's a really small, smaller, undersized winger, but a powerful shot and great offensive awareness. Um, left off Daniel Chaika. Um, Jan Kuznetsov and uh, Artem Grushnikov on defense. So to me, I, I, I don't understand what that reasoning was behind it. We even talked about it on our Prospects Corner uh, show with Matt Zader and Greg Boys, and we were scratching our heads at that selection because they could have benefited from them. So they have, offen- they have it offensively. It's just, can they get it done defensively? Because their defense last year in front of Yaroslav Askarov was not great. So you still have some lingering questions with that. And that's not to say that Askarov is going to be a bus goaltender because he's still a highly touted regarded prospect. But if he's going to be leaned upon heavily this time around again with a very thin defensive core and not some good stability on that back end, he's going to be in tough. And I think Russia is going to have, they're going to have the offense, but the defense is going to be worrisome. And if they're going up against us, who still has a lot of returning players and more depth up front and team Sweden with William Eklund and Alexander Holtz up front, then that's going to be a deadly combination, especially with Oscar Olsson anchoring that top line. That to me, I, they're going to be in really tough because that's going to be a very deadly offensive unit. Now, uh, Russia did uh, their selection process did confuse me a bit i mean Mm -hmm. you've got a team that finished fourth last year that desperately needs to win a medal to become relevant again Uh, they were embarrassed by their showing last year because of this they changed their coach to uh, sergey zubov and then they leave guys obvious choices off i find it highly political in the way they did it do you think i'm off base I mean, that's basically what everyone else is saying, too. I mean, when they initially made their preliminary or or camp roster, there was a report saying that, you know, there was a possibility that North American players would meet up with them for a camp once they made over or made the jump over to Canada, because it wouldn't make sense, especially with protocols right now, having the North American players fly over to Russia for camp and then come back over, quarantine and everything like that. But again, yeah, that, that, that was the consensus with a lot of with a lot of people in the industry. I mean, it, it, it's again, I, I don't want to rehash what they said because it's going to be the same thing, but it, it is very questionable. And I did see that I think Zuboff said that he was very confident with this group that they have developing over there in Russia. And yeah, they got really great names, but why wouldn't you want to improve on that depth and be a legitimate contender? Because Honestly, I thought Matt, uh, Matt Petrov was a lock. I mean, given the way that he's on a tear right now, and then he's still scoring even after the snub. So it's, 
it, 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 it's still very questionable. I'm still trying to wrap my head around it, but if Russia manages to come out on top, great, but it, it's going to be really tough, even with a highly regarded prospect like Mafe Mitchkov, who I think is going to do some damage. It's just going to take a lot more than just Mitchkov. I agree. <clears throat> I definitely agree. Now, before we move on to Group A, the best group in the tournament for obvious reasons, <laughs> Canada, uh, I'd like to uh, I'd like to bring attention to one of our sponsors, uh, Boxing Rock Brewing Company, Puck Off Beer. This Lagerdale is amazing. Um, if you got up at the break of dawn and spent all day drinking rink coffee while cheering your team under your hockey blanket, you and your dedicated ways deserve a super refreshing, perfectly normal beer to share with your friends. Puck Off Lager Ale is brewed with hockey and all of its characters in mind. Cheers to a great puck off and cheers to you, hockey parents, inspiring coaches, valiant referees, and of course, the ever loyal fans. That is Boxing Rock Brewing Company's Puck Off Beer. And for my listeners, we're going to be continuing our giveaway. If you have access to the NSLC in Nova Scotia, uh, please follow us on the social media and let uh, tag us and let people know why you love listening to the show and you could win your own 12 cans of puck off and we will just send it to you uh all right so group a canada finland germany the czech republic and austria so this one i mean obviously canada and finland are going to be the two at the top before we get to them, however, I want to take a look at the Germans, the Czechs, and the Austrians. Austria's been kind of the, the whipping boy in this one in the last couple of tournaments when they've been in. Uh, but Germany and the Czechs have decent, uh, pretty decent teams with good prospects coming up. So uh, which one do you think could possibly unseat Finland or really uh really make a make a run for the quarterfinals um i i you got to go with uh czechia i mean um they're given what they have right now in terms of i i I, again nothing against germany nothing against austria but austria did they don't have marco rossi they have two two possible draft eligible prospects making the team so they're going to be highlighted in marco casper and uh vince's rower um, Germany does have uh, Luca Munzenberger and Nikita Quapin net Florian, Blue, uh, Florian Bugle, Bugle, uh, Bugle, who's making his return. Um, Florian Ellis up front. So they got, they got, some, they got some names up front, but I, I don't think it's going to be enough to unseat or get past the Czech Republic because the Czech Republic is, or sorry, uh, Czechia, they got they got depth. They got some really good names. They got Stanislav Vozval on the back end. They got David Yurchek, who, again, 2022 draft eligible defenseman who's looking really solid right now. Um, it's being headlined by Jan Misak, uh, Martin Raisavi, Pavel Novak, uh, Jakob Brabanich, uh, Vegas Golden Knights draft pick. So they got they got some really good names. They got quality NHL prospects on their roster. Um, for Germany and Austria to try and oversee them or try to get into that top three. It's going to be very difficult, but I, I do think that if there's one advantage for Germany, it's they got some returning players from last year that's going to hopefully be leaned on because you don't have Tim Stutzler, you don't have 
Lucas Reichel. You don't have JJ Paterka on your team. So they're going to have to get a lot of offense from a lot of other different names on that roster. And it's, it's going to be interesting to say the least. I, I will say that. Now, clearly, well, Germany had that, uh, that, that wave of high end skill players that were, mm-hmm. they were all drafted to the NHL quite early in the uh, 2020 draft. But I, I, I have to agree with you. I have to lean towards Chechia, especially with the team captain, Jan Misak, the Montreal Canadiens second round pick leading the leading that team. Um, I think they're more, they're more built for the North American game Mm -hmm. uh, and they should be able to put on a good showing. Uh, I don't know how deep they'll be able to go if they can get to a medal round, but at the very least they should, uh, they should give Canada and Finland a run for their money in this group. Yeah. Um, obviously you gotta, you can't take any team lightly, but if there's one team that's going to be a thorn in anyone's sides, it's probably going to be uh Chechia. And like you said, Jan Misak who had three goals and five points in last year's tournament, good production as a captain. Um, I, I'm expecting him to be the offensive catalyst for this team. I mean, just absolutely dominating uh, the OHL. Uh, 31 points in 25 games, top 25 in scoring. That's really good production for him and 17 goals at that. So his shots, his shots are looking good. His goal scoring is looking good. Um, There's, there's really nothing else that you can say. I mean, this is, this is his team. It's going to be him leading the charge and he's going to, and he has a really good supporting cast. That to me is the most important factor heading forward because you're worried about their depth compared to that of the other teams like Finland and Canada. And I, I, it may not be enough to get into the second spot, but it is going to be enough to secure that third spot for Chechia. Yeah, no, uh, especially, uh, yeah, Misak has been able to help lead uh, the Bulldogs. They were in first when he left for camp. Now they're, they're down a little bit, but um, yeah, he's been a, he's been a catalyst for them in the OHL and he's definitely going to be the one to watch for Chechia. Now for Finland, they have a heck of a team with a lot of returnees. What is the preview from the hockey writers on this? Uh, the preview is that they're, they're going to be in it. They're going to be a main focal point. And I honestly think that this is a team kind of like Slovakia. Um, this is a team that shouldn't be counted out. Um, despite the fact that they don't have Anton Lindell up front, they do have goal scoring up front and, you know, returning names, uh, Samuel Hellenius, Ronnie Hirvonen, Rabbi Arventi. Um, you got, you got Vili Koivinen, who's a strong two-way kind of player who's going to fill out in that middle six. Joaquin Kemmel, a 17-year-old, just absolutely dominating the league this year. So they shouldn't be taken lightly. And every single year, the Finns are always that team that's just in your face, aggressive on the forecheck, and always catches you off guard. And that was the case last year. And that's going to be the case for me this year. They're extremely aggressive. They may not seem like they have a lot of, on paper, it may not seem like much, but on the ice, their performance dictates it. And they're a very hardworking team. And this is why they're still among one of the top hockey powers and they shouldn't be taken lightly. And their, their defense is highlighted by a Leafs draft pick, uh, Niemla. Mm-hmm. He's, he is probably going to be their main offensive weapon coming off that blue line as well yeah i, I mean i i know this is a habs podcast and i'm pretty sure you don't want to talk about too much about Nimella, <laughs> so i'm just going to keep it short um 
he, he's just having an absolutely dominating season. And this is a player that was drafted in the third round. The Maple Leafs traded their 44th pick to the Ottawa Senators for Tyler Clevin, and they drafted both Hirvonen in the second round and Niemela in the third. So the Maple Leafs getting really great value out of those picks as both of them are looking really good. And Niemela is just, again, his production early on has been absolutely phenomenal. He was actually just about under a point per game pace as a defender in the Liga, 24 points in 31 games right now. And he's in top 10 in scoring. And he's the only defender to be in that category right now. And he's only 19 years old. So that to me is really impressive. He won tournament defender last year. Can it be a repeat for him and a three-peat in terms of Maple Leaf pro- uh, prospects winning defender of the tournament? Maybe. I don't know. Uh, I, I'm not going to show my bias because there's a lot of really great defenders in this tournament that can basically overthrow Nimella. But yeah, his, his two-way game, his playmaking, his shot has improved tremendously. And yeah, he's definitely going to be a mainstay on the back end to lead that offensive charge. Um, also looking at probably Emil Vero, Alexi Heimel-Salmi as other potential names. So they're, they, got, they got quality names on that back end for sure, no doubt. But obviously, Nimelas, with the, him being a returning player and being an alternate captain, they're going to be rely on him more or less. Now, that brings me to Oliver Kapanen, Montreal's draft pick, who is on the Finnish hockey team. He, he's joining them from Kalpa in the, from Liga. Now, his numbers don't look that impressive, considering he's only got one goal in his 11 games in Liga. But people seem to, miss, to un, not really understand how it works over in Europe, where they, they slowly bring their players in. So what kind of an impact is Kapanen going to offer Finland? Um, you're probably looking him to be either that second or third line C to anchor that spot down. I mean, most likely Hirvonen is going to lead the top, top line and Hellenius a second and then Kapanen on that third line. Um, but yeah, I, I was really high on Kapanen in his draft year, mainly because of his production at the U20 level, 41 points in 37 games. Great two-way vision, great awareness. He was, he, I, I thought he had one of the best marks in that draft class as well. Um, even with his play with the puck and away from it, 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 just, it just stood out tremendously. And I'm kind of glad that the Montreal Canadiens took him that late in the draft because they kind of had him as a mid-round, second-round pick. So that's great value for them getting him at 64th. But yeah, um, unless a player has taken major strides in their development, like Topi Nimella, or even like Joaquin Kemmel, who's 17 years old and just absolutely on a tour of gold pace right now. And he's a draft eligible prospect this year. You're not going to see that much of an ice time or that much ice time in terms of their development. You want to try and work their way up and you want to give them the opportunities, but that's usually how it works over there. Um, Same thing in Russia. They like to give the ice time to the veterans, but it, it hinders their development. I would like to see the best players get the ice time, regardless whether it is Oliver Kapanen or anyone else. Um, they, they deserve the opportunity because they need a chance to develop. But I think he has the smarts. He has the awareness. He has a vision. He has that going for them. It's just a matter of just earning those opportunities more so. And I think he's going to do that. And I think this tournament is going to showcase his talents and skill set because I, I believe he was he suffered a scary injury during the U18 tournament as well. And that I don't want to say that kind of maybe put a damper on his draft stock, but 
that was very scary, but he was okay. So I was happy that he was able to still be in that second round pick or in that second round range. Cause he does have, he, he did seem like a second round pick for me. And if he's able to continue his, uh, like his game with his awareness, with his ability to play away from the puck, I think it's going to work out well for him. Will the offense come this time around? Yeah. He, he, he made pot a few, pot a few points here and there. Um, but you're looking at the main returning players to do that kind of damage. Yeah. You, you had to be careful there. You almost sounded like a Canadians fan saying, Hey, why can't the kids play more? Uh, yeah, but you know what? I, again, this is me not showing my bias because I really do like Oliver Kapanen. I, I, I really liked him. I, I thought of him as maybe a pick that the Maple Leafs could try and take as well in that second round. But we ended up taking Matthew Nyes. But you know what? I'm glad he, he found a good home with the Canadians because he does. He brings a lot to the table and his smarts is his greatest asset. Yeah, there's definitely a, a need for a centerman like him in that system. So here's hoping he has a great showing but not too good so that the team that we're going to talk about next can walk away with it. <laughs> this is what you've been waiting for. Eh? This is what I've been waiting for. Uh, <laughs> I'm a blatant Homer. I'm going to say it out, say it right up front. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm a Canadian through and through, and I want them to win above all else. However, this is, you know, we gotta, gotta give the other, t- the other teams a little bit of a chance, you know, but it's Canada's turn now. So, mm-hmm. Their, their forward group has seen a, a massive overhaul from last season. And stylistically, it looks like they're going to be a much faster, yet still physical team. So what, what is your view on that forward group? Yeah, uh, they're, they're, they, got a, they got that competitive edge. They got, that, they got that mix of skill. They got the mix of speed. They got the mix of tenacity. And I think bringing in players or getting players like Mason McTavish Jake Neighbors, um, Ridley Gregg from the Ottawa Senators. I think those players are going to bring that tenacity, that meanness, that toughness, but also that skill set. Because when Mason McTavish was loaned uh, back to Peterborough, he scored a hat trick in his first game, and I believe he had four or five goals in his first five games. So he has that offensive awareness. He's got that shot. He's got that drive. He was someone that I was a little bit lower on than most, but sort of rolls up my rankings after seeing him and especially that dominant U18 tournament that really solidified him as a, as a legitimate top 10 pick and the ducks took him third overall and very deserving. Jake neighbors has got that edge. He'd be a physical two way winger and really great. It's just an in your face kind of player. Um, I'm even going to throw Logan Stan Coven into the mix because even though he is a smaller player, he's got a high energy, high motor, high drive, um, never quits on a play and he's, he's, his, his, he has good production, but to me, it's that work ethic where he doesn't give up on a play and that's really going to benefit him and team Canada as well. And also I didn't also, mention like a bunch of other players too, like Will Carl, yeah. uh, Cole Perfetti, Dylan Ganther, Ken Johnson. So you have, you have everybody that brings something to the table. Yeah. I was going to bring up, uh, I was going to bring up Gunther and as well, Cole Sillinger. Yes. Sillinger, he has that. Actually, yeah. Cole Sillinger is not on the roster. I don't think Columbus. Oh, no. that's, oh that's right. Ken Johnson is the other pick that's that you're right. probably thinking of. Yeah, I messed up on that one. But say, <laughs> too many I'm names. Too many names, eh? <laughs> too many names. <clears throat> now, on the defensive side, Owen Power is going to be highlighting the blue line for the for Team Canada. First overall pick last year. Uh, people haven't seen a lot of him, so. 
I think he's going to win over a lot of fans in his first few games because he is such a smooth, he's, he's mobile. He, he closes gaps. He, he has that vision. So what do you, what do you expect from him? I mean, there's a reason why he went first overall. He's everything that you want yeah. in a defender. And, and it's great that, you know, the Buffalo Sabres didn't rush him, send him back, let him develop his game. And it, it definitely working out right now. Um, I, 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 if you aren't familiar with Owen Power because you haven't watched him at the university level, if you saw him during that world championship, how he rose up the rankings when Canada was down 0-3, he was a major factor for them. Maybe not offensively, but just overall in terms of driving the play and getting things started. That's what makes him special. He, and like you said, he's got that mobility, that two-way game, that awareness. He's able to lock it down in his own end. Um, it, 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 it's, it's amazing how he, he rose and became a reliable player at 18 years old in that tournament when it was dominated by you know NHLers. And for me, the fact that he was able to handle those minutes, those, that type of competition and be a factor, it's what solidified his spot as number one. And if you are seeing him for the first time, get ready because he's going to be a real critical factor for them and be one of their top, one of their top two, three defenders for this tournament. I even have him as potentially being the one to dethrone Topi Nibella as top defenseman of this tournament because of his skill set and his off the puck play, his his shot, his offensive awareness, his ability to set plays up. He, he's a full package. I mean, there, there's no other way around it. And to me, yeah, if you got to circle somebody on Team Canada's defense, Owen Power is definitely your guy. Yeah, he's he's definitely going to be the one that's going to be keyed on for the offensive side, no doubt. Mm-hmm. But there's there's a returnee on this blue line that's also wearing this the team captain C, and that's Caden Gooley, Montreal Canadiens first round pick from that uh, that uh, 2020 draft. So here's a guy who's probably going to end up taking a ton of those those harder minutes defending leads penalty kill he brings an edge to the game so what do you see him doing for team canada yeah captain canada i mean obviously the the c was going to go to hit to one of him or cole perfetti being the only returnees um obviously Gooley being the only returnee on the blue line i mean well deserved i mean uh, seeing him progress the way he has, I, his work ethic, his determination, his ability to lay the body, be that two-way presence. Um, I, I, I kind of was a little low on him in the NHL draft um, in 2020 compared to someone like Braden Schneider. I, I Personally, I liked Braden Schneider a little bit better because he had more ability to his game. I think Gooley skating was a big sticking point or question mark for me but he he hasn't improved tremendously in that department so the fact that he's got that ability to rush up when he needs to be relied on defensively be in that shutdown role kind of for team canada this year um we're looking at a different player and even during um training camp for both the canadians and team canada and you you look at his play at the tournament last year he has he has made the necessary adjustments to his game and I think that's going to go really well for him it's going to go well for team Canada and because there were times last year where maybe he stood up at the blue line to make a hit and it led to an all-man rush and that was kind of something that maybe he shouldn't have done but he's learned to back off and learn to not pinch up and be more responsible in that regard so the fact that he's taking this much of a step the fact that he's got a lot of responsibility as a captain and he's going to lead the team is going to be great for him no matter what 
Yeah, so that the, I think that the, uh, the Team Canada's blue line is definitely going to be a big, big factor in this tournament, uh, especially with Owen Power and with Caden mm-hmm. Gooley kind of rounding out that top four. Those two are probably going to eat up almost 30 minutes each. Yeah. Yeah, they're, 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 there's two of your top four right there. I believe I even saw Owen Zellweger with Owen Power in some of the line combinations. I don't know if that's going to be the same pattern that we're going to see. Uh, but I, again, I was kind of high, I really high on him in the 2021 draft. So the fact that you have that kind of awareness, and I think that's the motive that Team Canada wanted to go. They wanted to have that two-way presence, responsible on the back end and you know, have that puck and mobility when engaged offensively. And that was kind of why everyone wanted Brand Clark on the team because he is an offensive powerhouse, um, really great in transition and being a presence in the offensive zone. But apparently his defense came into question. They have no right shots, which Brand Clark is, and I think that would have benefited them. Um, so again, that, that, that's a different story for me. I'm getting a little bit off topic because that was a major omission for Team Canada. But I mean, yeah, question marks on the defense in terms of the handedness, but the work ethic and the ability to compete, it's still there. It has, it does have Team Canada written all over it. Yeah, it looks like they're going to be a team that's going to just grind you down. Mm-hmm. And it's their, their skill guys that are going to do it. So Absolutely. Yeah. And I ha- I, again, there's, there, you also have, you know, names like, Again, like I mentioned, Owen Zellweger, you have Carson Lambos, who was taken in the first round last year. You also have Lucas Cormier, who is a very strong two-way play. And again, that, that, that's going to be the main sticking point for Canada's defense. Lock it down in your own end and get it done offensively in the other. Yeah, and because of this style, they're playing at home uh, to 50% capacity. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, honestly, with the way things are going, uh, we'll get into the lockdown here in a minute, but the way things have been going with COVID in Canada, a 50% capacity is uh, probably the best we could have hoped for at this point. Yeah. And that's probably going to have a pretty big impact on Team Canada in this tournament. It's going to be a loud crowd. Yeah. I mean, heading into this tournament, I mean, before we even knew anything about the Omicron variant, it looked like it was going to be full capacity. I mean, fans show their vaccination uh, status to get in. That that was one of the main things. They had to show their proof of vaccination to get in. But, you know, just, just we've talked about this over and over again. We, we may have had enough of the pandemic, but the variant in the pandemic hasn't had enough of us. So we, obviously you have to adapt to it. And with the way that the cases are surging right now, because I, I, I was optimistic that, you know what, we're going to see some fans, we're going to see you know, some sort of normalcy, like we saw with the NHL with their full capacity. But then again, they had it, we're going to get into it. They had to make the necessary changes and you need to do that. You need to adapt. So to go 50%, it was the right move and not allowing drinks and food and anything where you got to take your mask off with this highly transmissible variant. It, it had to be done. There's no other way around it. It would be, you know, incredibly asinine to think otherwise that you can still do hundred percent capacity, which is not going to happen. And um yeah so the fact that they took the initiative to do that is a major step forward it, the, the, that news just broke um earlier in the evening before we even came on to record so yeah um but the fact that you know it they, there should be some solace that there is some fans there compared to last year where there was nothing and i even though they were expecting full capacity it's just not going to happen but i think this is still 
in that realm of getting back to normalcy where, you know, you, you still have fans in the stadium. It was kind of like it was later in the season last year for some NHL teams um, with the Canadians and um, their playoff run with the Maple Leafs in game seven, where they had allowed a specific number of fans in. So it, it's, again, we're, we're, like I was optimistic in, before, but it needed to be done right now. Like there's no other way around it. Now, back to the on ice, uh, we'll get into the NHL uh, capacities and shutdowns here in a moment, but um, back to on ice for the World Juniors. Who are your medal favorites? Yeah, my medal favorites, um, I'm going to start with third place. I think Finland has it in them to try and repeat their bronze medal performance. Um, I mean, it, it probably will probably, they'll probably face against face off against the U.S., um, I, I, they came very close to moving on last year, but I think they're probably going to seek out some revenge uh, from that semifinal loss. Um, so I think they have, they have the players, they have the two-way play. I, I, I think, and, the, and this is why the, the thins are always in your face. They never give up. So I think that's why I have them third overall or the bronze medal. And I'm thinking a Canada Sweden showdown. I mean, on paper, they both teams have the forwards, then they have the depth, they have the defensemen, the mobility and the shutdown kind of roles that they have on their blue line. And they got terrific goaltending. Um, didn't mention team Canada with uh, Sebastian Koza and Sweden with Jesper Wallstedt, but they got two. both teams have two really solid goaltenders behind them where obviously in that gold medal game, you're looking at Koza Wallstedt as that matchup, kind of like what you saw with Devin Levi and Spencer Knight last year, you're going to see the top goaltenders no matter what. But both teams have everything to say this is going to be an exciting gold medal game. And I have Canada coming out on top and Sweden winning silver, but it's going to be very, very close. And it would not surprise me if the roles are going to be reversed because Sweden does have the talent to do so. And try and prove everybody that last year's tournament and early, first, early quarterfinal exit was nothing more than a fluke. Well, Sweden does have that reputation of being a preliminary round team that mm-hmm. doesn't show in the medal rounds. Yeah. So um, I, I did place them in my medals uh, with the bronze. Okay. So I'm ho- that's, that's kind of a hopeful pick for me just because I want them to shake that, uh, that I want them to get that monkey off their back, yeah. especially with the medals. But I have uh, Canada, Russia in the final for myself. With really? That, that's Canada taking it. Perfect. Nothing, nothing beats a Canada Russia final, though. It's a classic. Absolutely. 100%. Yeah, I have Sweden taking the Americans out just because, you know, mm-hmm. I can. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, for, for me, again, it all comes down to goaltending with the US. That to me is yeah. going to be the sticking point. They have the roster players. It's just can they lock it down in front? And that, that to me is going to be the big X factor for them. Yeah, that was the downfall for me as well. Mm-hmm. Um, now, moving on from that to the NHL's lockdown, we don't have to get too deep into it because, I mean, the news is still coming out yeah. in trickles. Um, but, yeah, I wouldn't be uh, the least bit surprised to see the NHL shut down until at least the new year at this point. Uh, as we're recording, it's the 21st of December, and... Teams are going to be returning on the 26th for testing after the Christmas break. But 
I wouldn't be surprised to see it shut down further until maybe the second or the first. Yeah. I mean, for me, I'm surprised it took this long for them to do anything. I mean, obviously, when the outbreak started happening a week or so ago, and it just kept going and going and going, and other teams started getting infected. Um, the good news is that majority or everyone has been vaccinated and they haven't reported any serious illness. And I think that's one thing that we should take from that, that the vaccines are working 100%. But it's just the fact that they have to take time to quarantine, not transmit it to anybody else infected. And now you're heading into the Christmas break right now where they're in the Maple Leafs case, they were in Vancouver when the outbreak happened. And now only right now have their players sort of come over and quarantine at home. So there's an opportunity or there's a good chance that maybe some of them don't have that luxury to fly over and maybe have to quarantine during Christmas and they're not going to be with their families. So that to me is a little bit heartbreaking in that regard. And I think they should have taken more of an initiative instead of just saying, okay, yeah, we're just going to lock this team down, shut them down, postpone games. Because essentially majority of the games have been postponed. Why not just lock it down for the last two weeks anyways, and then come back after the break and say, hey, let's try and get things going again with the testing and hope that everything is for the worst. They had the new protocols in to try and limit limit interactions with fans and everything like that outside of the rink, inside mask wearing at all times. So it's obviously that should have been the case, but it's the fact that they waited too long for me. And uh, it could have been easily avoided. It could have easily been curtailed had they taken advantage of it right then and there say, hey, let's try and lock it down, shut it down. Again, not shut down the season. Let's just take a step back. Let everybody regroup and come back when they don't have any symptoms or they haven't tested positive. That to me is just a big thing. And I know the Olympics were the big sticking point that they wanted to try and wait wait it out to see what can happen. But ultimately, what what happened was what we knew what was going to happen all along. And I think that they, they wanted to wait it out. The fact that they said that none of the cases were too severe to try and cancel everything or shut everything down or lock it down. I, they had that going for them, but still err on the side of caution. Um, that's, that, that, that's just my take. Just take a cautionary approach. Yeah. And I, I think taking a, a short, like a, a breaker, like a pause for, mm-hmm. for a couple of weeks should be good enough to kind of put an end to this transmission. Yeah. and be able to come back. So I can fully, I fully expect them back around the first with the testing and there's going to be a full slate of games. I think eight or nine games, including the winter classic on that yeah. day. So I could see them coming back on the first kicking it off with a winter classic. Mm-hmm. For me, the stick of the, the real issue is the fans in the stance because the NHL yeah. played a full season without anybody in Canada and there was a long stretch with uh, American teams where they didn't have full capacity and that hurt the bottom line. The players and the ownership are, yeah. are likely going to want that hockey revenue to come back. Mm-hmm. So maybe, maybe some type of plan that kind of fits what the world juniors are doing, where they have a 50% with no concessions, yeah. something along those lines. Yeah. And the Toronto Maple Leafs and in Ontario with, um, the Leafs, Raptors, Scotiabank Arena, they have that 50 capacity, 50% capacity limit where, you know, there's no food or drink or anything where you got to take off your mask. So they, they 
the World Juniors basically adopted what happened in Ontario with the Maple Leafs, or and even the Ottawa Senators. But because... no, no buck a beer for uh, in, in Ontario. <sighs> yeah, that's. Uh, <laughs> I'm just. I'm not gonna change the topic with that because that's just another mess in itself. But yeah, um, yeah I mean. I don't know what other NHL teams are going to do, but I think we took the necessary approach and I'm pretty sure the Canadians or the Montreal Canadians and their reader, they're probably going to follow suit. I haven't heard much about what their protocols are going to be. Did they follow the same thing? Uh, they shut down completely. No fans in the stands for that last game against that Philly. Last game. Um, we're not sure what the plan is yet. Uh, the premier Lego has not really, put out his plan yet so Mm -hmm. we're kind of wait and see on that but i I don't expect it to be too different from ontario's but it's for right now it seems ontario's for the most part taking its cues from quebec so we'll we'll see what happens at this point Um, again my hope is that we have hockey again at least 50 percent capacity Mm -hmm. i understand that omicron is highly contagious about 70 to 100 times more contagious and transmissible uh, but we can take solace in knowing that for right now, um, it hasn't At caused a big jump in ICU mm-hmm. visits. Yeah. So, so fingers crossed. Early, early news indicates yes, but again, I, I let's. It sounds great, but let's take it cautiously. Is the main yeah. thing. Like again, we all want to go back to be like the normalcy way back in January, February before everything hit the fan. But yeah, cautious approach. It sounds promising, but just keep everything in check. Take the cautious approach just in case. Again, I'm pretty sure we've all had it. Your listeners, you, everyone on the podcast has had it. But again, we, we just got to power through this. And and like I said, the vaccinations are helping too. So that's that's a big that's a big thing. Yeah. And, and- on, on my personal side, I was supposed to go to a game in the new year and mm-hmm. it was going to be with my father and my brothers. I haven't seen any of them in three years. Yeah. So it was, it was going to be tough. a big deal, but now uh, that plans out the window. So yeah. it, I completely understand the frustration that people are having with it constantly coming back over and over the fatigue with this is going to become an issue. I feel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the burnout is the burnout is already real and yeah, understandably so, but we, again, can't take it. can't take the foot off the gas at this point. Now I'd like to finish off the show, at least on a high note, because I don't want to finish it with that down news. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Positivity is always good. I love the optimism, man. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to try and be a little bit more positive. So, but realistic because you know, yeah, it's the Montreal Canadians and we're having a, heck of a year this year <laughs> if the canadians cannot finish first overall to get shane right what would be the the next best shiny object for habs fans to look at ha huh. um well i i went through uh my top five basically in nemich savoy kemmel and cooley um this is just me personally, but to me, I think if they don't get Shane right, it, it all depends on where they're going to be. If they're going to be in that, it, it's, it really is tough to say. But I think if you want someone dynamic, 
up front as a forward, I think your next best bet is Matt Savoy because he a smaller type of player, but he can really find the lanes. He's got great hands, speed, really good puck, puck protection skills. And I think that's, he, he has that edge to him where he's not physical, but he plays bigger than what his size dictates. Um, obviously me, if, if they come in second and they pick Simon Nevich, I already gave my feelings on Simon Nemich already. I, I absolutely love him. And also me being part Slovak. So I got that, that kind of bias in there as well. I uh, hope my family's li- listening to that. Um, yeah, I, I, I guess the options are endless right now. Um, if you want a two-way center, again, Logan Cooley probably has the best marks and high upside as well. Uh, you want another goal-scoring winger, Joaquin Campbell. I, don't, I think he would probably be off the table considering that, you know, Caulfield's in the system, struggling right now, but I still think his ceiling is going to be a high-end goal scorer. So um, some, of those, some of those great names, if they happen to fall out and they want to add some size, Slavkovsky is one of my names, again, going back to Slovakia. Um, Connor Geeky, Brad Lambert, um, Frank Nazar are all, also other names that I have my eye on. Again, I, I'm, I'm throwing out a bunch of names right now to make a long wish list, but it, it all depends on where they lie and who gets taken ahead of them. I, I know that's kind of, I, I, it's too early to tell. I think we'll have more of a better picture maybe come January where yeah. after the tournament, after we get a better idea of where the playoff picture is, although I think, sorry, Habsans, it, it probably isn't going to happen. Oh, but no, I think we've already I, I broke that for them. Oh, okay. We've already burst that bubble. It's, Perfect. So I, so yeah. I, I, I just didn't want to rip the bandaid off right there, but um, I, I think our main focus should be Shane, Wright, Considering the fact that his two way abilities, his center, his IQ. Um, there's, I, I see quite a bit of Patrice Bergeron in him, given his two way abilities, as smart as a shot, his passing awareness or passing abilities, his production doesn't show number one pick this year but I still believe that that isn't a deterrent to him because he even when he doesn't find the score sheet he score sheet he's still making an impact and he's always noticeable on the ice in a good way well Peter I appreciate you coming on the show that was we had we covered a ton of ground uh my co-hosts Matt and Treg both wish they could have been here to truly make it three to one over a league um (laughs) But they couldn't. So uh, don't mention again. three and one and lease in the same sentence, please. <laughs> see, I see. I got to put yeah. fun of myself with that, you know. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's why we do it. That's why Absolutely. we do it. But uh, no. So why don't you tell my listeners where they can find you and what they can look forward to coming up soon? Yeah. So if anybody wants to follow me, I'm on Twitter at p b a r a c c h i n i. Um, you could follow my work at the hockey writers I'm doing or heading the Maple Leaf or not the Maple Leafs coverage, but the world junior coverage right now, we're still trying to, despite the news, where it seems like everything's full steam ahead. So we're still pumping out content left, right, and center every single day. And also going to be heading to uh, NHL drafts prospect coverage. So keep an eye out for that in January when we may start off, um, we're going to start planning everything out right now um, in the future. So keep an eye on that. And when the prospect coverage happens, you, you, you really don't want to miss it. Well, I mean, I'm a shameless plug for the hockey writers on my end. I mean, absolutely, I'm kind of partial for them. <laughs> yeah, that's a really good site. I think, I think you can't complain, you know? 
That's true. I, I think there's <laughs> been some really great hockey coverage. I think the world junior coverage so far has been excellent. Uh, there's previews out for every team in the tournament now, players to watch, um, mm-hmm. you know, so check it out. And again, Peter, thank you very much for coming on the show. And for Appreciate my it. listeners, um, thank you for listening. Thank you for sticking with us this uh, through all of this. And remember, if you were talking, uh, talking about it, so are we. Abs Unfiltered has special sponsors. Uh, go to seatgiant.ca to save 35% on all your fees when purchasing tickets to NHL, CFL, Major League Baseball, concerts, whatever event Seat Giant sells. Use the code UNFILTERED20, save 35% on your fees. Go to builtbar.ca and save 10% using the code UNFILTERED20 on your purchases online. Go to East Coast Lifestyle and use the code UNFILTERED20 to save 20% off your purchase of any clothing at East Coast Lifestyle. Also, Lift Life. Go to liftlife.ca and use the code HABS10 to save 10%. And for a special promo until Christmas, HABS Unfiltered will be selling t-shirts in conjunction with 514 shirts. If you purchase one of our shirts, the entire profit for the sale goes to Vets Canada. Vets Canada does work to end veterans homelessness across Canada. So let's help a great cause and wear a great shirt. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jag and Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundle from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network. I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people. He, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. Had, oh, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from JeffWoodsRadio.com.